T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Everybody, a big old football Monday here on Home and Home. The beatdown in Baltimore reshuffles the deck, and the NFL leaves us with just one undefeated team as we start the second half of this NFL season. And the Cleveland Browns are a three-alarm dumpster fire, and one of their players threatened lives on Twitter on Sunday. What a week it's been thus far in the NFL. Home on homeradio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are, folks, the smartest way to hire. Got it all covered for you on this football Monday in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll talk with our friends in the Wall Street Journal. No, not about finance or Wall Street, but Andrew Beaton covers the NFL. What is going on with the Jets, man? The Jets got the bags. The bags are out for Jets fans. It is ugly. And speaking of ugly, the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield looked like the guy you call the police on if he shows up at your kid's school. And he was even worse on the football field. How does Cleveland turn it around? We'll go to Cleveland in the 9 o'clock hour, 92-3, the fan in Cleveland. Also the 10 o'clock hour, Jonas Schaefer tells us how. How Lamar Jackson did it to Bill Belichick's defense, knocking them from the ranks of the undefeated Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun. I'm Dave Briggs, not home today on Home and Home in New York City. Ross Tucker is home from a very interesting weekend, which we will get to later in the show, including his first football game in the stands with his wife. We'll get to that in a minute, Ross. But I just I have to eat crow as we start this day because I was certain that the New England Patriots would shut down Lamar Jackson for one very simple reason. Bill Belichick in my lifetime and yours has always done one thing well, and that's shut down the one thing your team does best. So all they had to do is contain Lamar Jackson and make him beat them through the air. They couldn't do it. Why not? Because it's a lot easier said than done. And don't beat yourself up too much, Dave. You had a good call with the Texans all over the Jags, over across the pond, number one. Number two, the only thing I'm certain about when it comes to the NFL is that I'm not really certain about anything on a week-to-week basis. I mean, what, was yeah. it, it a couple weeks ago that the Cleveland Browns smashed the Ravens in Baltimore? Now we have on the same day <laughs> the Browns losing in Denver in embarrassing fashion and the Ravens destroying the undefeated Patriots. So anyone that acts like or thinks they have it all figured out those are the people you really need to worry about because they don't. I'll be the first one to admit I don't have it all figured out. I feel like I have a pretty good sense for things from time to time. I thought the Jaguars were going to play much better against the beat-up Texans bunch over there in London. But the reason why the Patriots were not able to slow down Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and I've talked about this, I've written about it, it's because, Dave, the quarterback-centric run game, quarterback-focused run game, is deadly. It is, I'm not going to say it's impossible to defend. It is very, very hard to defend, especially when you really only see it once a year, once or twice a year, maybe in college football, and when you have a guy like Lamar Jackson running it. I mean, that's the reality of things right now. I see it almost every week in the college game. Heck, I called the Army at Air Force game Saturday. They both have run-based quarterback attacks. And when you just see the pressure that puts on the defense when they no longer have an extra guy, 
they no longer have a, a man advantage. You can get a guy on every guy, a hat on a hat, as they say. You can get a helmet for a helmet and make sure every guy is responsible for and, and accounted for. And then when you can not only do that, but you start to do a little trickery, trickeration, whatever you want to call it, with the ball and putting the ball in a belly, pulling it, pitching it every once in a while. I mean, it's tough. It, it is really, really tough. And we saw that. Uh, the Ravens jumped all over the Patriots early in the game. Felt like the Patriots settled in a little bit after that. The fumbles by Cyrus Jones and Mark Ingram gave the Patriots a chance. I think like a lot of people, I was sitting there thinking, okay, here we go again. Even though the Ravens are dominating and they should be. Two fumbles, mm -hmm. Patriots only down 17-13. I've seen how this story goes. But it was a costly mistake by the Patriots. Julian Edelman fumbles. Marlon Humphrey again takes it back to the house that really gave the Ravens a chance to get the lead again, uh, extend the lead that they would not relinquish. Impressive performance by the Ravens all the way around. In particular, Lamar Jackson, I thought, threw the ball pretty well in the second half of that game and all the tight ends that the Ravens have when they needed him to. Incredibly impressive performance by the Ravens. And what a wild day. I, I was talking to a guy. You'll appreciate this, Dave. I was talking to a guy. I'm trying to think what, uh, Thursday night maybe? No, Monday night. A buddy of mine from college that had a substantial amount of money bet before the season that the Patriots would go undefeated and that the Dolphins would go winless. And up until yesterday... He was feeling pretty darn good about it. He was he stood to make a lot of money from that. Yeah. And he went down twice, twice yesterday in the same day. Better that than wait till like week 14 or week 15 <laughs> and, and at least feel like you have a chance. Better to rip off that Band-Aid as we start the second half. Turnovers did play a huge role in this football game. I thought that muffed punt late in the first half, it might have been an ugly blowout if it weren't for that that allowed the Patriots to get back in there and then the turnover you mentioned the Julian Edelman fumble Marlon Humphrey goes but the Tom Brady interception late in this game was really an inexcusable pass for the GOAT but it comes down to Lamar Jackson it's like a major league pitcher telling you he's going to throw you a fastball and you're still able to get it by him that is so impressive about what Lamar Jackson is doing you know exactly what's coming and you still can't do anything about it, even though you have a historically good defense by the numbers and one of the great coaches of all time in Bill Belichick. It is a stunning performance. Whether or not you predicted Baltimore would win this game, which a lot of national experts did to their credit. Three total touchdowns for Lamar Jackson. He said before the game, Tom Brady is the goat of all goats. Here what he's, here's what he said afterwards about playing TB12. I'm trying to win versus anybody I play. I don't really dwell on one player or, you know, it's just this guy I want to beat. You know, um, like I said before, that's still the GOAT. No, nothing changed that. Um, I'm, I'm happy to get the win, of course, um, especially at MMT Bank Stadium. So it's pretty cool, but I don't really care because it's to get Tom Brady. I just want to win. What is going through your mind when you hear the MVP chant break out in the crowd? We got a lot of season left to play, so don't worry about next game. I don't really care about that. I appreciate it. Lamar Jackson after playing the great Tom Brady and taking him out. Here's Earl Thomas with how good he thinks Lamar Jackson is playing now. I'm, I'm right with the crowd. I mean that. Like, man, this man's the MVPs. Uh, I'm right behind him. I'm backing him. Uh, you know, he, he, he makes my job easier. And, you know, when you finish a game like that, man, it's, it's just a sour relief again on us, us on defense. We, if we ain't got to have the pressure on us, we don't want the pressure now. But if, if it comes to it, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. But it's good when those guys capitalize for us. What you're seeing is this defense energized, not just by Lamar Jackson and the electricity he brings to the football field, but what you heard in some other postgame comments were guys saying, man, the way they are eating up the 
clock. We get to sit back there. We get to catch our breath. We get to chat with our teammates a little bit. I know I, I go to this stat too often, but it is very indicative of an offense dominating on the field. Time of possession, 37 to 22 in favor of Baltimore. And that is making all the world a difference for keeping the Patriots off the field, but also giving that defense a chance to rest and get after Tom Brady. And they hit him early and often in this game. But to the point that Earl Thomas is making, Ross, it seems like a no-brainer at this point, given the way he has turned things around for Baltimore. Lamar Jackson clearly in the MVP conversation. Is he on top of it? You know, we, we always, I feel like, take this temperature, this pulse on a weekly basis, and I get it. You know, it's fun. It's a fun thing to talk about. I think after last night's performance, yeah, it's A and B for me between Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson found a way to get it done again on a day in which his Seahawks gave up 34 points to Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Russell Wilson still got it done like he always does, especially in overtime. So those two guys are intertwined for me right now. Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. I know there was a lot of Aaron Rodgers love, but holy cow. Oh. And that's what's so funny and, and, and really why we probably shouldn't do this on a week-to-week -week basis. We should probably at least do it every quarter of the season because Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, all this conversation, all this love for Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, they're a match made in heaven, MVP. They did nothing against the Chargers. They got a garbage touchdown when they were down by three scores late in the game to make the score not look that terrible. I mean, that's how bad the, on our show, San Diego Chargers shut mm -hmm. down the Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So it's just funny if you, if you do the MVP stuff on a week-to-week -week basis, and I know we do, and the same thing with the Heisman, Aaron Rodgers might have gone from one to four <laughs> or five based on what happened yesterday. And if Lamar Jackson was down lurking at three, maybe four, he's right up there with Russell Wilson after that performance. Although, and I know he won't win it. I'll just yeah. throw this out there, Dave. The two most consistent players, and one of them didn't play yesterday, but the two most consistent offensive skill guys in the NFL, and they have been now for a year and a half, are Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers and Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. It's crazy. Look at their stats every yep. single week. You know how hard that is to do in the NFL? When all week, I've been in those meetings, all week the, the coaches are saying, we got to stop McCaffrey. We Michael Thomas is the key. Can't let Michael. Every week those guys deliver. Week in, week out, it's super impressive. The only issue for them is they're not quarterbacks. They're not winning the MVP. Right now, it's Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, and I think those guys have a pretty darn good shot of being in the thick of things at the end of this thing as well. I think another quarterback will be in the conversation, and Deshaun Watson put on another clinic over there in London uh, and, and talked about Popeye's spicy chicken could be the cure-all to an injury. We'll talk about that later on. But to finish up on the Sunday night game, I think the question moving forward on the other side of the football is how big a problem is that hole in the Patriots' defense it's not just a mobile quarterback. They have been exposed as a defense that doesn't defend well against the run. You remember what Nick Chubb did to that defense, and that was a Cleveland offense that couldn't do a thing. Here is Bill Belichick on what happened out there. All right. There's really not much to say tonight. Um, obviously, we didn't do anything well enough to deserve to win. Certainly didn't coach well enough. Just didn't do anything well enough. So give them credit. They're better than we were tonight. Certainly the better team, and um, you know we just all got to do a better job. So I don't know what else there is to say. Is there something specific that you felt you didn't have the team prepared for? What's well, obvious? I mean, did you see the game tonight? <laughs> a surly Bill Belichick, which you would come to expect after an awful loss like that. He's right. They were outcoached. They were outplayed in every sense of the game. They get a bye. 
They get to go home and get things right. But things aren't going to change out of that bye because the three games out of it, at Philly, home for Dallas, at Houston, three teams that are running the football very well, are very committed to the run game. How big a problem is that run defense? That is clearly the playbook teams are going to look to exploit in the weeks ahead, Ross. Well, I think that remains to be seen. You know, I think Belichick, Look, I'm not going to say that he wants teams to run on him, right? I'm not going to say that he likes teams going over 150 yards rushing because that's definitely not the case. I will submit this to you, though. I think that Bill Belichick believes it, you know, to win in the NFL, it's really primarily through the passing game and that that's where they get big chunks of yardage and that's usually where points come. I think he studied the analytics, he's seen the math and realizes in some way, kind of like what he did back in that famous Giants-Bills Super Bowl where he said, guys, we're going to let Thurman Thomas run for a bunch of yards. I think he realizes that if you're going to win running, Dave, you're going to have to have consistent long drives. You know, you're not going to have 20, 30, 40-yard runs like you can get in the passing game, those chunk plays. So I don't think on any level he's conceding the run game. I don't think he wants, for example, teams to run the ball down their throat. But I also think he does not want to give up big plays in the passing game. And against some of these teams, like the Browns a week ago, he recognizes Mm -hmm. that, okay, even if they do have some success running it, it's probably going to be an 8-12 to play drive. And... They're probably going to get a penalty. They're probably going to make a mistake. And they're probably not going to be able to get a touchdown out of it. So I think that remains to be seen. Again, I think they're going to want to be better on run defense. But I don't think that that's priority number one or as much of a concern for the Patriots as maybe we would think it would be. Okay, what about Tom Brady, though? Because, look, the numbers at the end of the day aren't terrible. 30 of 46, 285, a touchdown and a pick. I thought the pick was brutal. It felt like the game we played as kids, 500, where you just throw it up there and hope. And that was when they were still in that football game. That felt like it was the nail in the coffin. This offense has no identity. They can't run the ball successfully, uh, consistently. And yes, there are two wide receivers that get 10 catches, but there is not a playmaker. There's not a game breaker out there. And this offense seems to have no identity. Here's Brady after the loss. I give them a lot of credit. They played a good game. Um, Yeah, they made a lot of plays offensively, defensively. And uh, we just didn't match it. So, you know, come on the road. You got to play well in all three phases. And, um, you know, we just offensively didn't do a good enough job. Um, too many missed opportunities out there. You know, losses always find a way to recalibrate, you know, how you see yourself. And, um, you know, we obviously have a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Clearly, they're going to be around. I think it's safe to say you could probably pencil this team in for the AFC championship, given the schedule, given how the season sets up and whether it's Baltimore or Kansas City once they get Patrick Mahomes back. But this offense, is it enough? They're going to see Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes again. And there is, as I said before, there is no identity to this offense. Does one week do anything to reset them, as Brady just suggested? You know, I, I, I think they got major issues right now, Dave. I really do. I mean, this is the worst offensive line that they've had that I can ever remember since Brady's been there. This is the worst yeah. offensive line that they've had. They're just not playing very well, uh, in particular left tackle and center. But even some of the guys like Shaq Mason, who have been around and have played at a high level, aren't playing. I don't know if they're not healthy or what. It's also probably the worst receiving core. If you include tight ends in that, you know, they've always had some weapons. It really feels like Sanu, Edelman's even not quite, I think, perhaps what he used to be. And it's okay. That was okay if you had a dynamic tight end when you really needed him to make plays, which they obviously do not have. Maybe they'll call, get the bat phone going and see if they can convince Rob Gronkowski to come out of retirement. 
But the other thing that needs to be said, David, I think all these things go together. Tom Brady does not look as good as he has typically. Now, in fairness, I can never remember ever him having to throw the ball away this often or having to get rid of it before he gets hit or sacked this often. I mean, the amount of times that he throws the ball away or down at a guy's feet, it's like three to five times a game. And by the way, those are winning plays. That's the right play. Except when you consider it's still not a positive play, and he leads the NFL in intentional grounding. Nobody knows the rules better than Brady. For him to lead the NFL in intentional grounding gives you one indicator of just how often he's under duress and just how often he's throwing the ball away because he doesn't want to get hit. Was he 42 years old? They're they're not in a good place right now. It's kind of crazy for a team that was undefeated, you know, 12 hours ago for us to be saying this. But, you know, they are beatable. And whether that is the Ravens or maybe the Texans or maybe if Patrick Mahomes can play and is healthy, the Chiefs, the Patriots are definitely beatable this year. And whether that happens in, in January in Foxborough or not, is probably a different consideration as well. But they've got some major issues. I mean, when you talk about the O-line, the receivers, Brady, the run defense, they're not nearly what everybody, I think, was chalking them up to be. Speaking of – oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and given the way this Baltimore team beat them last night, they are clearly built for late December, early January football, whereas you can't say that about the Patriots because they are not running the football well. So usually the things you love about the Pats set up well for January, where that is reversed here with this Baltimore team. They are set up well for a deep run. Speaking of setting up well, Dave, make sure you – And me with some of my small business, make sure you're setting them up well with ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a challenge. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered that. She needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter. She was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com enter. That's ziprecruiter.com E-N-T-E-R, ziprecruiter.com Slash enter ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, one fantastic nugget from week nine in the NFL falls under the category of a little trivia for you, Ross Tucker. I love this note because I like weird things about the game. The Allens, Kyle, Josh, and Brandon Allen, 3-0, and First time in the Super Bowl era, three players, three quarterbacks, rather, with the same last name, one in the same week. I'll give you the other two that started the same week, three guys, same last name. Curious how many of them you can mention. Back in 2000, three Johnsons started at quarterback. Back in 1984, three Wilsons started at quarterback. How many of those can you name Ross Tucker? Oh, man, 2000, I'm going to go Rob Johnson. One. Brad Johnson. Easy. The other one I did not get. 
Doug Johnson. Doug that Johnson one surprised maybe? me. Doug I, Johnson? I don't. Yes, Doug Johnson. I don't remember the Doug Johnson that lost that game for the Atlanta Falcons. All right, you did pretty well. Two or three on the Johnsons. How about whoa, the Wilsons? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold a second. Oh, yeah. Why was that not three of three? Well, you. Oh, I, th- I thought I said it before you got it. Did no, you? Did no, you get no, it before no, I said it? No, no, no. I get credit for that. Oh, don't let me oh, finish. Okay. Let me finish. I got Doug Johnson. I remember him playing for the Gators for Florida. I don't remember that game he started for the Atlanta Falcons, but Doug (laughs) Johnson was the only other – no, I get full credit for that because there's no way in hell I'm going to know all three Wilsons in 84, but I want credit for Rob Johnson. Rob Johnson, I'm going to say, was Buffalo Bills? Uh, Yes. Yes, Brad Johnson in 2000 would have been Washington Redskins? That is correct, sir. Very solid performance. I got two or three on the Johnsons. I only got one or three on the Wilsons. 1984, how many you got? Okay, 1984, I'm five years old, so this is going to be rough. I think one of them is Mark Wilson, probably for the Raiders. Damn, you're good, yep. Okay, so that's four. Uh, Wade Wilson, Vikings. Bingo. That's the one I got. Okay. One other. Okay, so that's five. Dude, if I get this, I, <laughs> I am irrationally excited right now. I, am, I, I, I don't care how many guests we have. I don't care how long this damn show goes. We're not doing anything. We're not doing shit until <laughs> I figure out this sixth guy. This Look, I, I need small victories in life, okay? Little things like this. Get me happy. Um, okay, do you want a conference or a team? No, no, not yet. Not yet. Let me okay. see if I can just think of it first. Wade Wilson. This is, by the way, probably great, great audio and video. Me just sitting here thinking in my head. Mark Wilson, Wade Wilson. We need trivia music. We need, like, Jeopardy, Final Jeopardy music or something for, for the listeners and to the viewers. Yep, exactly. I'll give you ten more seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, don't Google it, 5, 4, 3, 2, okay. 1. Okay, ah, ah, ah. all right, now give me a hint, give me a, give me a, a Saints, New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't have it. Dave Wilson, also a Wilson brother. No relation to any of these guys, but Dave Wilson, New Orleans Saints. So there you go. Your Wilsons, your Johnsons, your Allens. The Allens this weekend were fantastic. We will talk about all of them, most notably Brandon Allen, the Broncos quarterback who had never taken an NFL snap, who outduels Baker Mayfield. We're going to get into that game and so much more. All right, so the Chiefs were impressive in getting by the Vikes That's a game the Vikings have to win. Uh, Look, Kurt Cousins throws three touchdowns. I know Andy Reid is just an impressive uh, game planner. But look, isn't this a game Kurt Cousins has to find a way to win against Matt Moore? Obviously, the biggest play of the game, the 91-yard touchdown run from Damian Williams-Ross, the longest run of the season in the NFL. Just feels like if you're the Minnesota Vikings, that exposed a fatal flaw. By the way, how come every time we talk about the Minnesota Vikings, all I want to do is the Minnesota Vikings? Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what in the world you're talking about. What is that? Um, I got to pull it up. You've never <laughs> seen the this. You never heard the song Truth Hurts by Lizzo? No idea what that is. I, I does it? I. What is this from games? Is this from uh, the radio? No, I, this is a very popular song on the radio. And every time we talk about Minnesota Vikings, all I want to do is think, why men great till they got to be great? Don't text me, tell it straight to my face. Best friend sent me down in the salon chair. Shampoo press, get you out of my hair. Fresh photos with the bomb lighting. New man on the Minnesota Vikings. Truth Hurts needed something more exciting. Bum, bum, bid up, a bum, bum, bay. You've heard that song. That, that is on. That is a gem. That is a new bestseller. You, you heard, you've heard that Tucker song, mixtape. right? If I do, your voice didn't help jog the memory. I right, don't how know about it, this man. Part? How about this part? You ready? How about this part? 
You tried to break my heart? Oh, that breaks my heart. That you thought you ever had it? No, you ain't from the start. Hey, I'm glad you're back with your bit. Uh, I'm not going to say that word. I mean, you want to hide. I will never, ever, ever, ever be your side. I put the singing single. Ain't worried about a ring on my finger. So you can tell your friend, shoot your shot when you see him. It's okay. He already in my DMs. So you've never heard that song? Yes, you have. You Should have, we have any listeners or viewers remaining? I apologize. I'm going to have to look at it on iTunes, perhaps. I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking the quality of your voice because your voice is beautiful. It is poetic. <laughs> but right now, where we sit right now, nothing. It is doing nothing for me, not jogging a single memory. But I'll check it out on iTunes. Do you know the name of the tune? Uh, Truth Hurts by Lizzo. Yeah, Truth, Truth Hurts, Hurts okay. by Lizzo. Okay. And Truth all I'm Hurts saying is, anytime all I right. think about or talk about the Minnesota Vikings, that song comes to my head. You know what's funny? I think, and we talked about this a little bit with Andrew, but don't you think, Dave... And we actually talked about this, you and I, last week, talking about Bill Belichick and Joe Gibbs. But yeah. I think how you do with a backup quarterback is a great indicator of how good of a coach you are. And look, Belichick's been terrific with backup quarterbacks, just hasn't had ultimate success with them in terms of yeah. playoffs and stuff. But for quarterbacks, I also think how you perform in the fourth quarter how you perform late in games that are close is a really good indicator as well. In addition to how you do when you don't have great weapons around you. And on that level, to your point, Dave, yesterday was a terrific evaluation for Andy Reid. Yet again, having a guy they got off the couch have a huge win. I mean, that, that was a gigantic swing game. For both the Chiefs and the Vikings. I'm telling you, Dave, if the Chiefs lost that game, I would have really gotten into my spiel about the Patrick Mahomes cost-benefit analysis. If they had lost yet another one, and whether or not it makes sense to bring him back at all this year, I would have really gone down that road. But he was able to, to get the win with Matt Moore, as Andy Reid so often does. And now they got a couple easier games coming up. And now I feel a little bit differently. Meanwhile, for Kirk Cousins, he is almost always statistically solid, statistically good. It just so happens that it doesn't seem like he gets it done late in games at all. And I don't like to be a guy that doesn't have stats in front of me or data to back that up. Uh, we do have the data to back me up that he's very solid statistically. And he was even solid against the against the Chiefs yesterday. But certain quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, it just seems like Aaron Rodgers typically, it just seems like when they get the ball late in a close game, you you just expect them to do it. You, you just think, yeah. here, here he goes, going to get a touchdown or a field goal. I mean, when that Buck Seahawks game went to overtime and the Seahawks got the ball, I was like, thousand percent chance Russell Wilson takes Seahawks down. They win. And my bet of Bucks plus six blows up in my face because the kicker for the Seahawks is a moron that didn't make that kick at the end of regular. That's a whole other story. Anyway, it's a whole other topic. Uh, but for Kirk Cousins, Dave, when he gets the ball in those situations, you're almost like, yeah, I doubt it. I doubt he's going to be able to get this done. That's a, that's a really telling thing. It's a really good indicator of what you think of a quarterback when they get the ball with three minutes left and what your gut tells you based on previous experience of what they're about to get done. Yes, and it is the exact opposite feeling you get to take you to your painful experience with Seattle. Exact opposite experience you have when Russell Wilson takes that ball. And that's why Russell Wilson right now, to transition to that game, is just clearly the NFL MVP right now. 22 interceptions, 22 touchdowns, one interception on the season. Russell Wilson gets the ball, and you feel that opposite way that Kirk Cousins does. Russell Wilson is playing just about flawless right now. They had a chance to put this away. They have to go to overtime. Seahawks do win it 40-34. to 34. 
And uh, just another brilliant performance by Wilson. 378 yards and five touchdowns in this game. And think about the receiving core for Seattle. Now they feel like they are getting closer to being the group that Russell Wilson needs. Lockett and Metcalf combined for 19 catches, 285 yards, three touchdowns, and that's a receiving core that is getting Josh Gordon. We assume he would be on the football field this season. Seattle now 7-2. and two. Preview Monday Night Football week from tonight at San Francisco. Arguably the great game uh, of the week next week. But Russell Wilson playing at another level. And on the flip side of that one, have you just have we all made up our mind as to what Jameis Winston is? He is the guy with very high highs and just a lot of lows. He had the two touchdown passes. He had a great scramble for a touchdown that was called back. But ultimately, if you think of that game for Jameis Winston, you think of the Florida State empty-handed throw. Ball comes out almost exactly like we saw during his season at Florida State that made him the number one pick in the NFL draft. So the question is, on one hand, Russell Wilson, best he's ever played, clearly in the MVP conversation. But Jameis Winston is that type of player with those highs and those lows a starting quarterback in the NFL? He is a starting quarterback in the NFL if you are a team that needs a starting quarterback and you are content with being 500 because that's where Jameis Winston's going to live. Now, in fairness to Jameis, the Bucs did put up 34 points on the road in Seattle. But he also, at least once a game and usually more, has a play that is just inexplicable. This time... It was, the ball just came out of his hand. He didn't get his arm hit. It wasn't raining. Just, that's what happened. And it seems like that happens to him a lot. He actually, I love watching Jameis Winston play because he's almost like a, um, he's almost like a baby giraffe. Like when he's back there, his limbs are like all over the place when he's about to throw, like, He's, he's, he's entertaining to watch from a standpoint of being all over the place with his arms and legs before he actually fumbles or throws a pick or throws a touch or whatever he does. He, I mean, I enjoy watching him. I, he is unintentionally, I think, funny to watch. Last note on that game, is the Seattle defense ultimately a fatal flaw? Can you be a contender in the NFC when you give up 34 points to Tampa Bay at home? I don't think so. I don't think you can. Really? I, mean, I think Russell Wilson gives him a chance, Dave, but they're certainly behind the New Orleans Saints and the San Francisco 49ers in my mind and probably significantly behind. I mean, I, you know, those are clearly the two best teams. I'd put Green Bay three. You know, I do power rankings every Tuesday. You know, maybe I would put Seattle four, but I definitely put them behind the first three, especially the Saints and the Niners. I mean, Saints and Niners look like they are on the path to getting those buys. By the way, I hope everyone listened to the Drew Brees Purdue pump-up speech on Saturday. We'll see if we can get that for you later in the program. Nobody delivers a better hype speech than Drew Brees on the bye week uh, at his alma mater. The smartest way to get yourself cut from an NFL team was discovered by Jermaine Whitehead, the safety for the Cleveland Browns, who is now unemployed as a result of some violent and threatening tweets last night after a rough loss to the Denver Broncos. Let's talk about all that with Mike Chico Borman from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland with the latest on the debacle in Cleveland. Good to talk to you, Mike. When did the Cleveland Browns learn about the Jermaine Whitehead social media action? Why did they first come out and just say it was merely inappropriate? Well, I don't think anybody... You know, initially when it happened, and good to be with you guys. Initially when it happened, uh, he was still in, in in pads and cleats, and I mean, it, this was not long after the game. So uh, I think, you know, when it when it first came out, you know, the Browns are are trying to first of all recover from a tough loss, 
And uh, and second of all, you know, once they realize that this is out there, uh, his social media comments are trying to make sure. Uh, um, I, my guess is, uh, you know, that it's obviously it's Jermaine, and then what the deal is. Then they went and talked to him and told him, you know, please take these down, please delete them. He got into a shouting match with a Browns employee saying he wasn't going to do it. And then when Twitter uh, was suspended for him, he decided to move on to Instagram, and then Browns decided to move on from him, which is probably a good idea. Mike, I know he he did not have a good game yesterday tackling, uh, but how had he been playing, and how much of how much of a loss is this? Well, I mean he he had been somebody. That if you go back to spring or spring training, if you go back to training camp, um, you know he had been a guy that was that was turning a lot of head, head. He came over from Green Bay, and you know you can see a lot of uh, you know connected dots to a lot of Packers on this team. Uh, John Dorsey obviously spent time there. Elliot Wolf. And Whitehead um, was a guy that spent time in Green Bay. Joe Witt is their uh, secondary coach, and um, so he knew him well. And, and I thought, you know, he had really he he had done some really nice things last year when they signed him. Um, he was cut essentially from the from the Packers, and and the Browns picked him up. He was uh, he was a pretty versatile guy, both him and Demarius Randall, again another Packer. Um, had done a nice job, but now before mentioned, Randall goes down with a uh, with an injury, and you know Jermaine Whitehead had played inconsistent, which is pretty much what the what the Browns had been looking at for the past what seven eight games. But yesterday was just, I mean, when you're talking about missing tackles and and the point of the uh, of his outburst on Twitter was directed at a colleague of mine and a guy that obviously has played the game before at a high level, Dustin Fox. Um, he didn't even really make an effort to tackle him. You know, he just kind of, I, I don't even know if he lowered his shoulder. Um, but, you know, that's in route to Noah Fant going 75 yards for it down. You've got Philip Lindsay, another, you know, another guy that he whiffed on in that game. And so inconsistent, uh, for a, a long-winded response to this, inconsistent, which is pretty much what the Browns have been on the defensive side of the ball, man. But yesterday was, uh, wow, it was ugly. It was ugly, guys. It sure was. And, you know, just to clear up, Dustin Fox didn't tweet anything uh, intimidating, just no. simply tweeted that Whitehead's effort tackling today is a joke, which is frankly being kind, given the effort he gave on at least the Noah Fant play, which was just a debacle. So how do the how do the Cleveland Browns, a team some had slated for the Super Bowl, lose to Brandon Allen, who had never taken an NFL snap? Well, I think it's the theme of this season. I mean, they're they're just they're ill prepared. Um, you know, you, you had a game and and talked about the missed tackles that's been pretty much something uh all season long they lead the league in missed tackles again they did last year and we thought well it's going to get cleaned up i mean this team has so much talent on paper but i mean you guys know this and obviously hopefully the browns know this it, it takes so much more than that i mean they're they're disorganized on game day um you know what you guys are talking about and and what you guys have seen yesterday or did see yesterday. I mean, we, we've been seeing this pretty much every single game where uh, Freddie Kitchens, I had to laugh when you're doing the zip recruiter read because I'm going, wow, qualified candidates. That was, a, <laughs> that was a nice catchphrase here in Cleveland. With, and now nationally, they, they just, he's in over his head, he's swimming, and, and this is a team that, Okay, look, you don't have to be six and two, you don't have to be eight and oh or seven and one, but it's two and six and it's eighteen penalties and it's thirteen penalties and it's you know, fourth downs and, and the sideline doesn't know whether to go for it, whether they're punting. Uh and then Freddie, you know, this is last week saying, Well, you know, we I, I wanted to save the timeout 
um, down by 17 with six minutes to go against the Patriots. I wanted to save the timeout, so I ordered the false start. I mean, that's next level, man. I, I don't know about you guys. I've never heard anything like that. And that's pretty much the story every week. They're just disorganized and ill-prepared. And I don't know if they read the press clippings before the season. Um, it's just a team devoid of, of, of leadership and, and uh, any kind of organization whatsoever. I'm curious, too, um, Mike, when you look at, like, Baker Mayfield, we played some audio of him after the game. And, man, forget the forget the picture and uh, that awesome trench coat he was wearing. But I'm talking about just how he sounded. I mean, he just sounded like a beaten-down man. And I know he's kind of up and down based on whether they're winning or losing. But between the outburst at Tony Grossi last week and then how he was after the game, I mean, what are you thinking and what do you think the Browns are thinking about his psyche right now? Because he just sounds so defeated. Yeah, he does. And I think, you know, when, when you listen to Baker yesterday, um, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. I mean, that actually, I, I think he actually sounds better than, he did, you know, with the with the outbursts, and it was it was kind of like Baker almost resigned to the fact that man, this is just this is bad. There's no there's no chip on my shoulder that I can that I can you know uh, garner from from any of the guys in the media. This is just it's on us. It's bad, and I, you know, I, I think that um, I think they still believe in Baker. Uh, Honestly, I think Baker can still be the guy, but I and, and he's don't get me wrong. I mean, he is he's been awful this year. The entire team's been awful this year. But I keep going back to you guys that you know Freddie Kitchens and, and to some degree Todd Munkin, but Freddie's the one calling the plays. I mean, he was adamant about that, and now gets defensive about it. You know, you don't put him in in, in good situation when Freddie took over. As offensive coordinator, you know, he would make a joke to us in the media about, guys, you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. All we're doing is, you know, we're simplifying things. And, you know, one of the first things he did was meet with the offensive line. And some guys like Jason Carter said, you know, wow, an offensive coordinator never really got my input. But what are you guys comfortable with? Let's make it easy. Let's simplify it. And away they went. And now, it, I mean, he's talked about simplifying fine things. I mean, he's talked about putting Baker and putting these guys in better situations, and we've got to get Odell Beckham Jr. better to more tough. When the don't equate to actions, and then you're looking at two and six, you're staring down the barrel of, you know, possibly – not being around for very long and and that's just i don't know i mean this is this is an ugly situation um and, and it only got worse yesterday no doubt talking to mike borman he hosts chico after dark monday through friday seven to midnight on 92.3 the fan in cleveland you mentioned odell beckham jr he had the issue with the cleats where he had to go change him in the locker room at halftime or sit out the second half there was a report from Jay Feely that he said, I can't get the ball to save my life afterwards, then denied that uh, at the podium post-game. But either way, OBJ has 39 catches, the worst start of his season. How frustrated do you sense he is? Um, uh, honestly, uh, he's been the least of their problems. I mean, you know, for all of the talk about, well, he's a – He's a diva, and, you know, he's – now, as far as the uniform stuff, I mean, he and Jarvis, uh, we're tired of that stuff. You know, I mean, this is something that, um, you know, you know what the rules are. You can talk about being picked on and all that. But as far as, you know, how he's handled himself, I think it's with the, the tough start and the lack of uh, targets and, and just the losing – He's actually been pretty solid. I mean, it was just last week that he's like, hey, you know, after the outburst with, uh, you know, with the media member last week, it was Odell that said, you know, Baker's my guy. I've got his back. And I still think he feels that way. But, 
anybody's going to be frustrated, and anybody's going to be frustrated certainly when the losing games the way the Browns are losing. So I think with Beckham, you know, we all thought that, you know, is he going to be a, a, a diva to the point where they're winning games, but, you know, his numbers don't look good. But when, when you're not winning games, and, and on top of that, your offense is one of the worst in football, and you've got that talent, yeah, I think at some point you're going to say, hey, get me the ball. And if his, you know, if his worst transgression is just simply, you know, hey, I, I want the ball, I want an opportunity to help this team win, you know, he, he really hasn't been that bad, guys. The uniform stuff aside, uh, I think he's handled himself well. But like everybody else in that locker room, everybody's got a boiling point. This was a game that everybody just seemed to think was going to be a W, and Brandon Allen's a, a, a guy that's never taken a snap in, in the NFL before, so the Browns can get back on the winning track. And Same old, same old. So um, Odell needs to get the ball more. That's on Freddie. That's on Todd Munkin to, you know, scheme it somehow. And you make sure that, that guys like him have the touches. And he doesn't, so he's frustrated. But I, I don't – honestly, I don't put a whole lot of his feet in terms of how he's handled himself and, and all of that. Last one for me, uh, Chico, is just let's 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 end on a positive note. I know that's hard to do right now <laughs> with the Browns, but I'm the recruiter found a new candidate. I like this. Yeah, I like to smile. Tell me, tell me some good things going on about the Browns right now. Is it Nick Chubb or whatever? It is? Tell me some good things about the Browns. Like, if I'm, pretend I'm a Browns fan. What what can I feel good about right now? What you can feel good about is the guy that you just mentioned, Nick Chubb, is um, an incredible talent who should have been on the field. That's another issue they've got, not to pile on here. But, you know, you've got you've got third and short situations. You've got goal line situations. You've got you've got plays where, like, your best your best player, certainly your best running back should be on the field. And, Okay, you get it once or twice, but it happened like four times yesterday where Dontrell Hilliard's in there. Um, all right, you said positive, though. My bad. Uh, Nick, Chubb. <laughs> Nick Chubb is an incredible talent. Um, he's a humble guy. He doesn't say a lot. He just works his tail off. Incredible talent. And this team has a lot of good, young talent. And I think while we're trying to highlight the positives here, guys, like – that's what's just as frustrating. You have all of this talent. Now, granted, out of the gate, yeah, there was something to be said for, hey, we need to be a team and we need to, we haven't done anything yet. We got to, you know, come together and they've done anything but. But now we're eight games in. Um, there's a lot of very, very talented players on this football team. That said, <laughs> they're two and six. So what's that tell you? So that's, that's about all I can come up with. We do recommend going to uh, Zip Recruiter to find the next coach of the Cleveland Browns. Great <laughs> plug there, Chico. We appreciate it, man. Uh, best of luck taking calls tonight, 7 to midnight, 92.3, the fan at Cleveland. Should be a very upbeat fan base, my friend. Oh, nobody's on the ledge at all. Guys, I appreciate it, and, uh, and thanks for having me. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.